My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very bleak and cold winter morning here in the capital, but I am delighted to say that joining me on today's show to hopefully add some warmth and brightness to affairs is Dr. Suhail Alam, a hair restoration surgeon and medical director at Aventus Clinic UK, which provides affordable, high-quality treatments for hair and skin rejuvenation. Quite fascinating. Um, Dr. Suhail, very warm welcome to yourself, and by all means, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Scott. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me um, on the podcast. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. It's a pleasure having you um, alongside me as well, uh, Sahail. That's great. Now, um, first thing I wanted to sort of ask, just to set some context for the listeners tuning in today that might not be familiar with you, um, how was it that you came to sort of develop a specialist medical interest in hair restoration surgery and regenerative, regenerative medicine? What kind of sort of piqued that interest for you, would you say? No, that's a, that's a really good question, and it's an interesting story. So I qualified in uh, medicine back in uh, 2004, and I was always keen to go down the surgical route. So I did a lot of training in surgery as well as uh, general medicine. And uh, after five years of that, due to sort of family situation, I decided that uh, locating, being close to home was quite important. And at that time, I was uh, also looking at general practice. So that was very interesting really enjoyed that and it really fitted well with uh, where i was staying in terms of location wise so i joined a training scheme and became a gp and did that for five years and i was always keen to develop and learn and 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 see you know what more i could do how much more value i could i could add general practice was fantastic still doing it on a part-time basically really enjoy it and at that time aesthetic medicine was uh, really um taking off and I was really interested in, in, in that. So I did some training in aesthetic medicine. A friend of mine at that time had a clinic doing hair restoration and we started working together, did some training and I thought it was a really fantastic opportunity to make a difference. It's uh, And I hadn't realized the impact it has on people's well-being, self-confidence when it comes to issues around hair and skin. Often the discussions are a little bit more superficial, but when you speak to individuals on a, on a human level, there are people that are not able to leave the house because of, of how it makes them feel. They lack confidence in, in, in meetings or in public situations, affecting the relationship. And after seeing some of the transformation and the positive impact it has on people's life, I thought, you know, really um, passionate about continuing in this field. And that's how I got into it. Yeah, really interesting story. And um, as you mentioned, sort of the well-being, mental health, self-esteem side of things there, the impact of your work on that side of things, I suppose that's going to have quite a significant impact in the uh, the coming months and indeed years, isn't it? Because in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, and of course, we'll sort of touch on the specific challenges around sort of getting through the acute phase in a moment. Um, I suppose people have become a lot more aware of their own mental health, their own well-being, their own self-esteem. And so it means services such as yours are going to be all the more important moving forward, I guess. Absolutely. I think one of the sort of tough points from this period we've gone through with the COVID over the last couple of years is the discussion around mental health and well-being. And it's become a lot easier to talk about and people are now mm. recognising it. And I think especially for men, 
it, traditionally, I don't think men have been very forthcoming when 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 uh, talking about these topics. And I think traditionally, there's been a, a view that men have to put on a certain face and behave in a certain way, and they're not necessarily affected as much. And I think that narrative has now changed. And you know, ninety percent of my clients, but it's when it comes to hair restoration, are men. And these are the con- conversations and discussions we have. And I find more and more people are ready to talk about this and now recognizing the need for taking care of themselves, their psychological well-being, as well as their physical well-being. So it's been really important that people have had this opportunity and these discussions are happening now more and more in the media and public figures talking about the impact of um, mental health and mental well-being. Yeah, and it's becoming more acceptable as well for those in sort of leadership roles, isn't it, to also show that same vulnerability and be sort of open about their own struggles. So there are some real positives, I suppose, coming out of all of the tragedy associated with COVID. Um, touching on sort of the acute phase of the uh, the pandemic now, um, I can imagine that given you practice, uh, you know, general practice, primary care, as well as, of course, your hair restoration and regenerative medicine side of things, that the pandemic did pose quite a few challenges uh, for you. Um how was it sort of getting over some of the challenges that it did pose over the last couple of years? Yeah, it was uh, very much a, a baptism of fire, really. Uh, I started the clinic back in January 2020. So mm. this was literally when we were hearing in the news about something happening in Wuhan in China. And we're in UK thinking, no, it's not going to come this way. I think we'll be okay. We, we, I think a lot of us buried our heads even in healthcare at that time. And I was, again, as I said, a practicing GP. And we were thinking, oh, it's probably not that serious. Let's just carry on. And I think, you know, week by week, things were getting more serious. And I was beginning, you know, so, so we just set up and I'm doing the usual stuff on planning and on, on, on getting, you know, marketing and advertising and doing treatment. And we just set systems and processes in place. And then, boom, you know, we realized that there's going to be a lockdown happening. Everything's going to close down. So the hair restoration side and the, and the aesthetic clinic has to close. Massive impact on myself and my team at the time because we just felt like we literally got going and having to come to a standstill. But I think we accepted it, understood that there is a global pandemic happening. We just need to look after ourselves and our family for now. So we're okay with that. The more challenging part for, for me was my other role as uh, at that time I was the managing partner of the CP practice. And we've had established sort of processes and systems in place on how we manage the myriad of, of, of patients coming to us. And all of a sudden, almost overnight, we're having to implement social distancing, face masks, uh, um, infection control policies have, have completely changed how we manage our staff and how do we keep everyone safe and still provide care. You know, going from a predominantly face-to-face led consultation model to now doing remote consultation, which was relatively new to many of us at that time. And how do we still safely manage and deal with our patients and their concerns? It was a heavy burden for the management and leadership to not just at an individual level where we're at a practice, but also at a local level where groups of practices or larger PCMs and PCGs, even on the national level, we've got got the director of primary health care, at every level it was challenging yeah and i can imagine as well from again that sort of mental health anxiety side of things whilst all of the chaos was unfolding around you um you kind of had to 
sort of prioritise looking after sort of your own well-being, your own sort of staff workforce well-being, but you're also dealing with the anxieties of some of your patients as well. And I can imagine that that was also quite challenging. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, to be honest, that period of time, I probably hadn't realised that that first year, <clears throat> 2020, it was non-stop, constantly looking at new guidelines, looking at how to <clears throat> implement them, making, you know, changes, still trying to keep um, our workforce at the time um, working, safe, um, dealing with a lot of change within sort of within the medical team, within our nursing team, within the general admin team. And after the end of the year, I was feeling, wow, this is a lot. And we were, we were hearing this from our colleagues as well. So people's parents getting sick or their children getting sick and then stuff. I don't think a lot of people have still probably processed what we've all gone through over the last couple of years. I don't think we've been able to take a breath and think a lot has happened. People have lost loved ones that they haven't been able to see in hospital. People have had colleagues off sick for a year due to COVID. It's, it's been quite, uh, quite a lot for people to deal with. Mm. And given all of the sort of well-publicised shortages within the NHS health and social care workforce um, as well, I can imagine that that sort of made it a lot more difficult in a sense because what it, the, the, those that are there have been sort of stretched to the limit basically over the last couple of years. And now there is also that huge backlog in, uh, in procedures to deal with. Yeah, unfortunately, from an NHS point of view, recruitment at every level whether we're in primary care, whether we're in hospital care, has been really challenging. And there's a huge number of vacancies in, in all areas, compounded by the backlog of patients that need treating, whether in primary care or in hospital for um, operations. So we've got a smaller workforce having to do increased workload, <clears throat> but also under different pressures is uh, extremely challenging and hence with, with the recent uh, statements from the health secretary and others in, in public health saying this backlog and clearance could take quite some time. It could absolutely, it could take them um, until I think it was March 2024, uh, Sajid Javid, the health secretary yeah. recently said for the, uh, the, the yeah. backlog to actually start to, uh, to, to subside somewhat and obviously the government is currently sort of trying to process um, its sort of health and care bill through parliament at present um, with lots of different provisions in there and more integrated health and social care workforce being one of them but um, it isn't really addressing sort of the real issues that are affecting the sector at the moment and that is how to sort of tackle these very severe labour shortages and I suppose until we kind of see a solution for that it is going to be very difficult to sort of bring that backlog down so I suppose in future that's something that the sector is essentially waiting with bated breath for isn't it to an extent. Absolutely I agree I think uh, one of the key elements is the workforce and making sure we have enough doctors, nurses, administrative staff, everyone needed in a healthcare setting to deliver care. And at the moment, with the best system in the world, you will not, you know, even if it's the most efficient system, you are not going to be able to deliver good care if you don't have enough people. And I think that's, that's the key element of a puzzle that needs to be solved at a much higher level. Mm. So we can improve things on the ground. 
Yes, exactly right. And uh, am I correct in saying as well, uh, Suhail, that you are sort of actively involved in training junior doctorism as well in your role? I think I'm right in saying Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a GP trainer as well, and mm. uh, so I've been doing that for several years now. Yeah, um, and obviously, even with all of the incredible issues around sort of the recruitment side of things, I can imagine that helping kind of bring that next generation through, that does sort of give you a huge, huge sort of sense of sort of accomplishment and satisfaction, I believe. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the best part of the job, really. Having an opportunity to sort of train people that will potentially become carers for myself, yourself, our families. And it's, uh, it's always nice to have these uh, junior doctors in our practice, in our teams. And, you know, they go through a structured learning program. And I find it benefits me as much as it benefits them. We often have very good discussions about new treatments, new ways of uh, diagnosing issues, and they may come across things that I may not always be at the forefront of. So having trainees and being able to train them, it's, it's, I think it's a two-way process and we both learn and benefit from it. Mm. This goes to show, doesn't it, that every single day is a school day. I mean, even in positions of leadership, we are never finished products and there's always something else for us to take on and learn. And I think perhaps over the uh, the last couple of years, we've probably like that's probably dawned on us more than ever before hasn't it just because of how we've had to adapt and I suppose we've learned a great deal about not just our colleagues but also about ourselves and how we can bring the best out in ourselves in a crisis situation when the chips are down and we've had no other choice. Absolutely I think that's a really good point you make this uh, you know every day you're learning something new and for me over the last the two years since uh, starting the clinic, my learning and growth has literally been exponential. And much of what I've learned over the last couple of years, specifically on the sort of business side of things, sort of managing and running the GP practice, as well as, you know, starting a new clinic and building and growing that and building a new team literally from scratch. I've learned a phenomenal amount, um, you know, from how to recruit, how to interview, HR policies, looking at things like digital marketing, um, um, search engine optimization, how PPC or pay per click advertising works, you know, looking at copy and, and, and writing and how to put the best copy out there so it resonates with the particular reader. And then along with that, we've got all the regulatory side of things that we probably wouldn't have been um, accustomed to getting involved with, you know, so with our systems and processes and learning all about that. And all at the same time, we're trying to keep our team together. And then ultimately, we want to make sure that we as an individual or as a business leader are still performing at our best. And we are, you know, we have enough energy, not only for ourselves, but also for our team. So it's been a phenomenal journey of growth and learning and development. Yeah, it certainly seems the uh, the case. And uh, just because as well, um, a lot of regular listeners on this podcast do tend to be sort of younger people of that kind of entrepreneurial mindset, let's say. Yeah. Um, what are sort of the biggest pieces of advice based on your experience that you think that these sorts of people should heed to help them start their own businesses and really get on the, uh, the road to success? I think the single key thing for me, I would say, is have a vision, have a goal, and just go for it. Yep, just don't show you. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds simple, but it's just 
it just have a have a goal, have an objective, have something that you want to achieve, and it, it just stick at it. I think that's very very sound advice, and the reason I say that is because sometimes I think we kind of have this innate fear of taking the plunge with ventures such as business because we're kind of afraid of failing at the first attempt we're afraid of setbacks and i suppose going back to what we said about learning i think you have to almost embrace the failings embrace the setbacks and kind of go in with a win or learn mentality don't view any kind of failure as a terminal thing use it to develop yourself to grow yourself again as we've touched on before and then use that to improve and then move forward i think like say in some ways we maybe need to get a little bit better at that absolutely that's a very profound uh observation so one of the things i did uh, about eight months ago was uh, take on a business coach help me develop myself to the best of my abilities one of the things that he mentioned was about the discomfort we feel as we're growing we get growing pains of children now that's no different to human beings as we're growing and learning new things sometimes you're going to be in a situation that is uncomfortable or we're not accustomed to um, that it's not necessarily a failure or something unsuccessfully. It, it is a feeling we get of discomfort in a situation that we're not familiar with. And in, it's in those situations we're actually growing our most. And if we can accept that or recognize that, that feeling will pass. And on the other end, there will be learning, there will be growth, there will be development. And that's where success lies. I think that's absolutely right. Incredible observation there. And uh, I think there's plenty of growth and plenty of success, hopefully, to uh, to come in the uh, the future and plenty more for us to uh, to learn as well as we continue to develop. And I do want to talk about the future just before we do wrap things up on the uh, the show today as well, because obviously that NHS backlog is there, as we talked about. We're emerging from the acute phase of COVID and hopefully embracing the challenges of the post-pandemic world. So as that sort of really comes into view, Suhail, um, what does the future, do you think, hold for you in terms of your sort of primary care side of things, but also Aventus Clinic on the other side? And what are you really hoping to achieve over the uh, the next 12 months, let's say? I think it's a really good question. And I think it's really important that we do keep our eyes focused ahead and not be fearful of the, of, of the future. And I think we learn from whatever's happened in the past. And we plan today and do what we do and, you know, really focus on improving what's coming. So I am actually very optimistic of the future. And I think we as a, a nation, as, as human beings and, and, and uh, entrepreneurs in the, in the UK, I think we will do great things. For myself personally, I know we're going from strength to strength. We're in year three now. I'm looking to grow my team. I'm looking to um, be able to provide more treatment to more people to bring about maximum value in terms of their um, well-being through hair and skin restoration. And uh, so I look forward to growing year on year. With regards to primary care, I think, and in the NHS, we, you know, we have people that will help solve these problems. It may take a while, but I think in the next few years, we will see a better utilization of technology in improving healthcare outcomes, improving access to healthcare, and I think we do have a resilient workforce and within the next few years, we'll see a newer version of the National Health Service being able to meet the needs of the population. 
Yeah, ho- hopefully so, certainly. Um, innovation is going to be a huge, huge part of the health service moving forward into the future. And there are some incredible ambitions that you've outlined there and some wonderful visions. And I do certainly wish you all the luck in the world in really executing that to maximum effect because it's such a fantastic cause. And I'd actually love to welcome you back on the show in the future, Suhail, actually, just to catch up on how all of that is being borne out for you, because it is wonderful, the work that you're doing. It's fantastic what we've accomplished over the year, the pandemic, despite all of these difficulties. And hopefully you are absolutely right. And we're going to be moving forward into a very, very positive future. Yes, it's been a pleasure. I'd be more than happy to come back and talk a bit more about my journey and, and, and the challenge, especially with the from an entrepreneurial point of view, someone that didn't have any business background, being trained as a clinician, and then to start a, 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 a clinic from scratch and build it and grow it. And my ambition is to get it to a level, you know, where we are really providing maximum benefit. But not only that, creating a team where my ultimate goal, and I tell my team this, is that when I go into the clinic, going to work, I don't want it to feel like work. We work with people yeah. we enjoy, we treat. And, and, and provide treatment to people we enjoy being in the company so work doesn't feel like work. And if that isn't a rallying call to anyone with their own big idea but is maybe hesitant to go and execute it, I don't know what is. Like you say, you've gone in with, like I say, just clinical experience, gone and launched your own business and look at where you are now. It's absolutely amazing and a great message to those younger viewers out there. And um, also, uh, just before we uh, we depart, please do continue to take care and stay safe with everything that's still going on. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that better days are certainly ahead of us. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate it. It was an immense pleasure for me to welcome Dr. Suhail Alam onto today's programme. And I do hope that everybody tuning in enjoyed the interview just as much as I did. And if you are listening in today and you do have your own business or organisation with its own tale of success and innovation to share with us, then we here at the Leaders' Council, of course, want to hear from you as well. So why not also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time to every single one of our regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye.